Rachel Pringle. Okay, guys, if you're just listening to this and you're not watching the video, I need to encourage you to go to the Instagram or go to the YouTube and get some of the video because I've never seen someone look so good on Zoom right now. I've never seen this technology channel this much radiance, you know. Oh my God, you should see my bottom half is still in pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of Zoom, mm-hmm. thank you. Uh, Well, yeah, Rachel Pringle, uh, everyone check this out. Rachel's a friend of mine. She's uh, a poet, a teacher, uh, a retreat leader. Uh, I love your book, Wild Open. Um, I love the way that you dance with the shadow. I love the way that you work with such relatable authenticity. Thank Mm. you so much for your work. Thank you for being here. Mm, thank you so much, my love. Oh, that means the world to me. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how super gorgeous you are and your your role and your experience in the entertainment industry as like a model and actress. And I'm just like really curious about, you know, I want to just sort of like get you started on that i want to like just sit at the feet and just hear how you how you navigate those worlds and um their relationship to your your approach to spirituality and your teachings mm. oh i love that you know it, it makes me think of this very specific time i think it's so pointed too because i was up in my my office the other day and i found like my old acting journals that i haven't looked at in like over 10 years And I remember being in class and one of my early on teachers was asking everyone like, why do you want to be an actor? And a lot of people's response was, I want to be famous. Um, I remember the girl I was working with, she was like, it's all about my ego. And, and I remember feeling a little bit like sort of out of the, the cool group because my desire really from the beginning was, I'll I'll never forget saying it. It was like, I want to know all the different realms of my psyche and acting created at that time before I was like as deeply thrust into this world as I am now, it was this safe container for me to explore all of the different realms, like especially the darker realms. I was always like really intrigued to um, by like darker characters because there is this sort of container set with a director and a coach and, and other, you know, characters that allow you to safely like explore really sort of taboo topics, emotions, feelings. And that was, that was really my intention getting into it from the beginning. I think, especially as like, I'm, I'm thinking about it now, the way that I was as a child, I was very like happy, you know, the nice girl, the, the, the good girl. And so I didn't really have an avenue to play out those, um, yeah, taboo topics and acting was like so refreshing for me to like get in there and be like a crazy bitch or a psycho or whatever it was in a safe container. I was, that was really like my reasoning for getting into it. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think that you do that in, in your work. Yeah. You know, so I see, I see like the way that you stretch like what is conventional and you, you don't, 
you don't tear at it and you don't throw like nuclear bombs at it. You stretch into it, you mm. know? And, yes. uh, and so I see the, the way that you, your actual role and presence, like as a member of the community and as a leader in the community, I see you bridging mm. communities. I hope, I hope to do that. I think, you know, like that journey from, from acting. And again, it's so interesting, like rereading these journals and coming back to this time where, you know, my, my, my desires have changed and really teaching is at the forefront. I still love acting. I still love creating. That is so much a part of me, but the teaching is really like to, to be in those containers and help normalize these these darker realms. And I think dark can be misconstrued as something that's like evil or bad. It's just the things that are more in the shadow, specifically like our emotions. You know, it is for so many of us taboo to be angry or to, to touch our rage or to touch our sexuality that in, in a lot of the world is considered dark or, or bad or evil or, and so my deepest desire is to really like normalize it, to normalize, you know, whenever working with, you know, a client or like couples as well, it's like, oh, everything that we're feeling is actually totally normal. It's society's picture perfect expression that makes us feel like what we're thinking or feeling is wrong when in actuality we're all having the same thoughts. And that was really why I got into this work in the first place. It's like, if I'm feeling this way, then it's very likely someone else is feeling this way. And if I can, you know, perhaps give words to it, um, I can help bring someone over into a more sort of expressed version of themselves. And I, I'm just thinking, I watched this interesting movie last night um, and there is this scene and they're talking about finding your voice. Right. And, and I, my desire is to help people find their own unique voice. And it's like, they, the character specifically talks about like finding your voice is, is feeling all the feelings and, and your own translation of what that is into reality. Right. That's why everyone's voice is so unique. That's why all of this, you know, we're in this day and age where there's so many people doing this work and it's so incredible. And it's different from, I think when you and I started, when there was like a handful of people, um, and everyone has their own unique voice. And, and I, that's my desire in the work is like everything they're feeling is okay. Let's actualize it through your body so that you can stop living in your own shame bubble that has been created by societal's impossible standards, which no one in society can even live up to, you know? So it's like bridging a gap for everyone. We all need, we all like, we all need that. Yeah. And you bring up such a good point. None of us can live up to these idealized standards that we don't even necessarily fully agree with. Yeah. You know, we, we may agree in some ways with like a core original truth to why we as a society or a species started to do things in certain ways. Yeah. It may have come from a very honest unfoldment from something super necessary but, yeah. but we may not agree with how it's presented interpreted and how it positions us and itself in our world today in our actual yeah. world today. 
Yeah. You know, one of the great examples of questioning something that we have, that we may have an agreement with a core teaching, but not its expression is monogamy. Yes. Um, the, the idea also of, um, you know, like the biblical renunciation of same-sex relationships, those mm-hmm. two things were were specifically in the context of what was happening historically yeah. and, and medically yes. and, and systematically within a community where, where there was actually, there were men who were, who were getting women pregnant. And then there, there wasn't like a sense of direct responsibility. And so they wanted a tethering. They wanted a commitment. Monogamy. Great. Understand where it came from. Um, the there was also a, another cultural context where they're talking about, you know, how they're not having enough. Their their numbers are dwindling, so yeah. they're like, "Look, you're going to be getting off. You better be making babies." Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there's like there's like these historical uh, narratives and contexts where we've basically said, "Okay, well, I guess I could see that or whatever." Some people may yeah. still be like, "That's bullshit, whatever." Uh, but but it's like when you're when you're in that open minded space, you're saying, "Okay, maybe I could see where it came from and and its value, and I can see its value in the world today, and I can and I can see its role in the world today." But rather than forcing all of us to have the exact same agreements and forcing yes. ourselves to to self comply with with standards that are already taken there, versus exploring our yeah. own relationships to these concepts, yes. you know, I, I can, com- I completely agree. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I it's, tell, Go me, ahead. tell me about how you, how you work with that. Cause that's, I see it so much in, in your art and in your, uh, curriculum. Yeah. You know, well, I think it's, I, I love the way that you express that because that's, that's really how I feel. I do. I, and like, you know, to go super like meta and esoteric, like I, I, I believe in past lives. I believe that very likely we were the people who made those agreements and who thought it was a great idea to make money the way it is to make, you know, marriage and property and all of those things like, you know, or going to school in this sort of like systematic way. Like we were like, Oh, this is a great idea. And then somewhere along the line, you know, we get stuck into this, this habit and where we lose focus on, on curiosity and discovery. And I think that that's sort of a play on what we're experiencing all the time, right? It's this balance between, or this, this dynamic and polarity between, you know, like rigidity and fluidity. And it's like, we found a system that works. And so we want to like, work that system over and over again. And especially because of the human psyche, like when we find something that's comfortable, there is this period, this moment of real deep discomfort when we're trying something new, which is why most of us reject it. Right. And I actually like, I like to work specifically with that energy. I think that if we work with that, which is like sort of exactly the bridge, the in-between stage, that's when we're putting ourselves in a space of, of consistent evolution because some systems do work for some people. And if we get stuck in that and we don't actually exercise the the part of us that does feel nervous or uncomfortable or fearful or terrified about taking on a new role, whatever it may be, like a new job role, a new relationship role, moving somewhere, you know, changing direction, changing even like your own direction as a teacher, whatever it is, 
if we lose that, we move into like this monotonous, um, really, I think from my perspective, like slow down, even dumbed down version of us because we're not exercising the part of us that's meant to constantly evolve. I think that that specifically shows us in relationships and that's also mirrored in sort of the body conversation, like all of these, and it's incredible, all the hacks and, but there's still an aspect of people trying to give an overshadowing, like this is, it's going to work for everyone when that's never going to be the case. Like, and that is, if we can lean more into that and realize that that's a superpower and that we are unique and we're meant to be unique and that every body is different, every body, every channel, every voice, every system, and to like, let go of these identities that we want to put ourselves into. And I, I know that for myself, I did that as well. Like I remember when I first wrote my book, it was like, oh my God, I'm a poet now. And I wanted to eliminate all these other things and just be this because it was so enlivening. And even that is a trap, right? Like instead of just seeing it as a gateway, everything is just a gateway into the next phase, into the next stage. And can we be dynamic enough like in relationship to our surroundings to give ourselves permission to constantly change. Love that. You know, I mean, that's the thing where uh, it's like, it's like once we have that base level of realization that all things are in constant change, that foundational Buddhist principle of impermanence. Yeah. Yeah. They like, no impermanent. That's why, that's why I think some of these religious structures are really valuable because you learn something like, impermanence is a thing yes you know like that's why i love religion and world religion you know yeah uh, but something you said that was that stood out to me a lot was this idea of um uh the monotony yeah. versus i think like harmony because the monotony is like we're all one tone monotone is like a musical word and mm-hmm. harmony is also a musical word, you know, and yeah. harmony is when different things are happening, but it hits just right, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like and you, and you feel and it. Leave, but it's like, it's actually hitting. Yes. Yeah. I, I completely, I think, I think, and I, and what that tunes me into is like, we're, we're seeking aliveness, right? I, be, I believe that that's really why we come here, right? Is to, to experience being alive, right? To get out of the monotony of, of omnipresence that is bliss all the time. It's like, cool, I want to break. I want to experience myself aliveness. It's like you listen to a piece of music that is in harmony. It's going to make you feel all of these different emotions, right? It's going to send you on a roller coaster. And I'm thinking about like going to a, you know, a concert that is playing the same tone over and over again. What happens is you get bored, you check out, you're not in your body any longer, and you're just following the rhythm of everyone around around you and it could be could be nice for a short period of time but after after that you know i'm thinking about the the, the highest expression of that it becomes torture if right. you're like oh you love a song but if you look if you listen to that song over and over and over and over and over again it would slowly kill you yeah. right and then <laughs> but then what happens after it's torture you don't even hear it anymore yeah you don't even hear it anymore and so then you're behaving in this, you're like totally doing the entire choreography to this entire song that, that first you loved. Well, first you didn't know, 
then you loved, then you hated, and now mm-hmm. you don't even know it anymore. And you're it's like top uh evangelist. You're the one that's yeah. like the the leading the charge. Terrence McKenna says, uh, what does he say? He he calls them self-appointed guardians of the status quo. Mm. We become self-appointed guardians of the status quo. And we start to, before we even know it, we're like operating entirely on someone, someone who, someone else's worldview. And some of those things may cause us to do good things. Some of those may not be bad, but they're unexamined. Yeah. Yes. They remain unexamined. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the, and there's a comfort level in that right it's 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 comfortable in a way to find a groove that works and it it's if we give ourselves completely over to that we lose this um this like what i like to energetically feel like belly to belly expression of meeting our life right we're just sort of and people are like that's what COVID taught taught us in a way. Everyone saw how monotonous thing. You're like, you get in a car, you go to the thing, you do the thing, you come home, you da 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 da, and it's like this groove, and people like are it's like slow. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. You don't think it's happening. You're like, oh, I'm pretty good, but in actually like underneath the surface, you're you're. Yeah, you're like slowly dying because you're not working that muscle that is in actuality a bit scary. There's 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 like a we have to I believe that one of the most important things that we can ever do in our lifetime is learn how to be uncomfortable. Right? When we can learn how to it's still going to be uncomfortable. It's never not going to be that, but you become familiar with the discomfort and the pattern that happens like, Ooh, okay. I'm uncomfortable, which means something's changing, which means I'm about to, you know, like be squeezed through this like black hole and then popped out into a, a next iteration of me. And like I said, it's, it's always uncomfortable. It's always terrifying. It's always petrifying. I'm experiencing that now as I, I change forms and get ready to like move more over to Europe. I'm aware of those emotions that are like, am I okay? I'm not safe. What's going to happen? I don't know. And again, our society has programmed in us from such a young age to be afraid of the dark. That is like a universal like line from our childhood. There are monsters in the dark. The dark isn't safe. We don't know what's there versus teaching us like Joe Dispenza style to get excited about sort of the darker realms or, or, or should I say like the void, the blackness, the abyss, because that actually represents infinite possibilities. You don't know what's there, not in a bad way, in a fucking exhilarating ecstatic way like there's something that's out there that you haven't even thought of that could that could really expand you and ignite you in a way like never before yeah i mean that's that's exactly what uh deepak chopra also teaches he says um trust the unknown because the unknown is god yes what would Whew. for for someone who's listening to this who's uh maybe like consider the considers themselves like uh you know when you're like a in that like light worker mode you want to spread the light you want to help other people you know as soon as we get any kind of enthusiasm about something uh we have to share it and you know there's there's that 
would you who what would you say to someone who considers themselves like called to teaching, called to healing, holding space, that kind of thing? Where what what do you think is like the most crucial thing in sort of like following in those footsteps and those paths? Mm. I think the most crucial thing is is to really learn how to do that for yourself because there is no better subject than you because it's a visceral knowing and feeling and to to really sit with yourself in it, like and and dare I say like put yourself in a bunch of different scenarios so you can feel what it feels like so you know something that I say all the time when I'm teaching is like I'm not afraid of other people's darkness now because I have sat with mine right and I and it's no longer terrifying or petrifying it's fascinating and interesting because it equates to I agree with you completely God, right? It is an expression of divinity and in all of its different facets. And so for those of us, because I'm the same way, like I'm a three, five human design manifesting generator. When I learn something, I'm like, everyone, this is what's going on. And that's wonderful. And I, I think it's necessary because a lot of us learn by sharing and learn by teaching and to, to never let that connection with yourself slip. I believe that's the most important thing. And in terms of really wanting to spread that message, you know, people can feel when that's present in you. They can feel like we can energetically feel when we're sitting with someone who's comfortable with all parts of themselves or is willing to look or is willing to be in their own darkness, to be present with their own pain, to be uncomfortable, to be um called out on their blind spots. Like we can energetically feel that and something in us relax, which makes us more susceptible to growth and expansion. Yeah. That, uh, that reminds me of something that Marianne Williamson, her famous quote, uh, yes. Fear is not that we're inadequate Our deepest fear that we're powerful beyond measure. Fuck. Yeah. Love that quote so much. My God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I've, uh, what I've noticed about you and what I've learned just from like being in community with you and experiencing your presence and the way you communicate is I feel like what I can say that the, the like endorsement I can give, you know, uh, to use that word is, is that you, what you offer is deeply, deeply authentic. Mm. It's like the real, it's the real thing, you know, it's a real Louis, you know what I mean? Or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's not, it's not a replica. Um, It's, it's not from something else. It's not a, it's not a counterfeit product. It's not a fake. Um, What you offer is really it's the full experience and it's very authentic. And I think that the way that you relate to your, your poetry mm. and the sensualness that you experience life with and the way that you infuse that into what you create, anyone who's listening, who might be interested in this, you, you offer different kinds of retreats and things like that mm-hmm. all the time. So what, go check out her, her links. Yeah. In uh, but I can say that it'll be very rich, mm-hmm. and whatever it is, it'll be very refined, almost like going to like an, a Michelin star restaurant. 
it's like it's like that kind of authenticity. It's like it's like the real couture. It's not like the <laughs> word couture is silk screened on the back of something. It's like it's like handmade for you because I know that the way you work in your groups, you're so intuitive. You hmm. tune to every member of that group. You're I just remember like your birthday party, the dozens of times we've been at your place, all the different times that we've hung out where there was lots of people, evening, morning, first thing in the morning, that all, all the different times. <laughs> you're, you hold, you, but you're, you're not a people pleaser. So you're not like going around people pleasing, but you, you hold like such a presence. That's very much mm-hmm. your own, your own refinement. And also you hold like a space that that allows for a lot of relaxed authenticity. And, mm. and what you what you introduce into it is always gourmet, always couture. Yes. Always A-list. Always. You know, what you serve <laughs> in the environment is A-list, you know. So Thank I, you, I just wanted to like throw that endorsement out there because. You know, I'm just as you're talking, all these moments that we've had together are coming up, the way you've communicated to me about things that I was going through, mm. uh, the way you you recognized uh, challenges while being really respectful to all parties involved. You know, I, I feel like you you really show up and you're really, really just like five stars. Thank you. Thank you, my love. I, you know, I, I appreciate it. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm really fascinated by the, the fullness of our experience. You know, I, I want to, I want to like belly to belly meet the divine. And I think that like the more open we are and, and willing to receive the moment, the more we're informed, you know, and like, I think through, through acting and through this work, you know, and through modeling, especially like I've really realized that the surface really does not matter. Um, you know, what matters is what the inner workings that are happening underneath. That's when it gets really interesting. And specifically with myself, like when I, cause I used to be a people pleaser and I used to try to attain a level of perfection in order to get a modeling job or book a role or whatever it was. And that left me in such turmoil and it left me disconnected from life. And once I got a, you know, like the feeling of being connected to life, I was like, oh, I want to be connected to life. I want to be connected to everything in life because then I'm actually really fulfilled from in my soul, not just from a materialistic world, which again, we think is going to make us happy, but actually makes us like deeply dissatisfied and unsatiated. And like you said, I want like a Michelin star, really comfortable Michelin star restaurant, really comfortable couture dress. <laughs> yeah. Like where, where you can see all the details and it's like fascinating and delicious and delectable and decadent and is like a full blown, like rich life experience. Yeah, you know, one of the ways I would describe you that I didn't say yet, yes, Michelin star restaurant. I love the comfortable thing. The thing that I didn't say was like super comfortable, <laughs> top tier med spa. Yes. <laughs> love it. <laughs> yes. Love a the, spa. 
Yeah, because, you know, it's so interesting. Like we have, like, hear me out on this audience, you know, like we have this tendency to feel like we shouldn't be feeling good. Yeah, oh, yes. Feeling good or or being well mm-hmm. is like not allowed because there are other moments that other people are in or that we're in where the world is really serious and and it makes sense because we should be putting energy into supporting people and helping people mm-hmm. just like just like we are only here today because other people have put energy into supporting and helping us. So yeah. yes to all of that times 10,000, yes to that before anything else, right? Yeah. And if we're if if we're thinking about living beings, like you're the one that you're around the most. Like take care of that one. Make sure, you know, that's something that I always have to remind myself. I, can't, mm-hmm. I grew up in a big family and it was like, I was always in the shuffle of like, all the big brothers are doing this and all the little brothers are doing that. And, you know, and I was the middle kid. So I was with the big brothers and the little brothers. So I was always, someone else was choosing my schedule all the mm. time, always shuffled around. And we were, you know, part of this really religious family. We were in like the priesthood and doing all these like initiations and events events and temple rituals. And so like normal, busy family life on top of like living in basically like an occult secret society, like super involved (laughs) in this like religion, you know? And, um, and I, I have to learn how to take better care of myself. Yeah. I have to learn that basic level of, you know, that's, and so that's where the med spa it needs to be in the conversation. And yeah. that's why in the ancient traditions, I mean, the, the oldest religious tradition in the world is the Vedic lineage, the Vedic traditions. And Ayurveda has so much about taking excellent care of the physical body. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I so agree with you. And I think that it really goes back to what you first said, which is we're like, we're really, it's ingrained and programmed and conditioned into us that it's not okay to feel good. Um, and if you are, then you are like, you're ignoring what's happening in the world. And I, you know, I, I forget who says this, but it's like, I always resonated deeply with this, which is you can't help someone who's sick by becoming sick. Right. You can't help someone who is poor by becoming poor. You you help by bringing over your energy to help them get better. Exactly like you said, we're meant to be of service. I think that being of service in the world is one of the most fulfilling things in the world that we can ever experience. And we can never truly be of service in our fullest capacity without first serving ourselves. And that is that it's really challenging because we're all like, I'll never forget being called selfish at a very young age. And I carried that around because I was a people pleaser for most of my life. And it was like, you know, and it's only now in my, in my like, 30s that I'm starting to realize if I don't take care of myself, especially now that we're doing this work in such a big way, I can't give in the same way. And to to battle that and to really like be, you know, dare I say, like a little bit cutthroat about our our self-care. Like I, I would say that, you know, thank you for saying that. Most of my friends would say that I'm the self-care queen because I know that I give so much and it is a it is like the way of my being. And if I reach empty, I'm just like, I'm down and out. And so it's really been like, 
okay, making sure I just said this to Johan, like now that we're in this new stage and it's, things are developing in a new way, it's like, okay, we need to now change our, our strategy to be even more aware of our spaciousness and time to do all those things, to eat well, to take care of our bodies, to, 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 you know, to take herbs and Chinese medicine and get acupuncture. And like, you know, I had an acupuncture session a week and a half ago. And I was like, and I've never got, you know, acupuncture before. And I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. What this ancient intelligent practice of the body has made me show up for my work in a completely different way. Right. Like seeing that correlation and seeing specifically, you know, in the world, people who are doing it so big, who are like, won't ever allow themselves to like, go get physical therapy for, you know, they have like a knee injury and they just like struggle along. Like I I can do it. I'm like, no, your vessel, your container, your body is what houses the capacity of your spirit. If we don't take care of that, the, the energy that you can carry will only dwindle because it literally can't hold it. Right. Yeah. Right. That came up for me at the 5k I recently stumbled through. <laughs> I was like 5k whatever no problem easy yeah I, I start running and like like a, 200 yards into it my right knee is like nope and I was like no nope. oh, <laughs> that's a real thing oh shit people's knees going out is a real thing oh damn we are at that age now. And it's funny, we were, we just had this conversation this morning and Johan and I just made our appointments for like, like I'm getting my hormone panel, I'm getting all my new blood work. And it's like, you know, it's to go even further. Like we're at that age where when you get, you know, you can feel your knee or you can, like I've been sitting in, you know, in, in uh Lotus for, for 10 years. And just recently my knee was like, Mm-mm, honey, no more. <laughs> and now I have to sit in hero and say style. And like, it was so fascinating to see the part of me that was attached to sitting in Lotus to be like, Ooh, what does this mean about me and my spiritual practice? Like if I can't, and you're like, what, where does that come from? But, and do I have the willingness to make that adjustment in order to like protect the well-being of my knee, which is a like integral part of the functioning of your whole body. You know, it's like, I think right. it's a, I don't remember who said it. I think it was Iyengar who was like, you only have one set of knees. And like, that is the most important. Same with your lower back, right? We're feeling that as we, as we get older. And that's just a sign of like our kidneys and our liver and like how important it is to take care of these things and to to yeah to recognize that this is a system running itself (laughs) right oh man are you calling me out on purpose right now (laughs) (laughs) we're calling each other out babe we're calling Uh, each other out it's like this is the time man and i have resistance you don't have nearly as much resistance as like uh as you think you do yeah Uh, you're very empowered in those ways I uh, had something that came up when you when you were talking about the knee. It's like the knee, the body is for, um, you know, embodying the experience. Yeah. You know? 
and it's the it's it is the vessel through which that experience happens and then the lotus position the asana is for the body the body is not for the asana and so when the asana isn't appropriate for the body it loses its value yeah so a beginner Oof. on both ends someone who's been practicing with lotus for years who's like whose body doesn't want can't do it anymore or can't do it as long anymore or it's not as comfortable anymore that end of the spectrum and the very new beginner who can't even get into lotus yeah yeah those two people are in the same place where it where the practice transcends that specific need um it's it's like the the whole point in jesus where he performed a miracle but it was the sabbath and so the so they were like bro you're a healer you can't heal on sunday it's or on on the sabbath it's uh it's against the law no working on the sabbath you're a healer you can't heal on the sabbath and it's jesus so it's kind of like biggest one of the big big voices of human religion you know he said roughly translated he said bro give me a break the the sabbath is created so we can take it easy yeah i wasn't created to obey the sabbath yeah the sabbath is a gift for me to do what i want to do on that day it's not so I can do what you think I should and shouldn't do on the Sabbath, you know? And so it's like remembering that all these outside tools are, are for us. We're yes. not for them. Yes. My and God. so it's, that comes up a lot and people are like, am I meditating? Right. I don't think I'm doing it right. I don't, I didn't, it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Someone's that you'd be amazed how many people say it didn't work. I'm yeah. like, because you didn't have like a transcendental experience that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, because you didn't have like a divine spontaneous enlightenment experience yeah. because you didn't have like a third eye gasm it didn't work no it's 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 a training tool these are all tools yes yeah so i think that it's only a good thing that you're yeah. even thinking about whether you can do lotus yeah. I, I, you know, I, it's so, it's so true because I think that goes back to what we we're saying before is like, you know, all of these things that we sort of agreed upon at a certain time, like they are all really amazing and they're all these incredible tools, but the, the moment that it becomes rigid, like in rigidity, then we're losing like the core purpose of life, which is to evolve. Consciousness is only meant to do that. It's literally designed for that. And so uh, do we have the willingness to listen to what's being asked of us? And like that, I think that is actually the the highest superpower is to be attuned enough to go with that inner guidance, right? Like that all of these all of these incredible religions have these these higher parts and then then all of a sudden it's like unless you act in this certain way you miss the mark but we're all we're all so unique like <laughs> we can't ever be using the same things at the same time like it's going to change and do we have the willingness to like put down our ego and let ourselves change yeah and it's so 
hard to be brand new at something. Yeah. It's like, you know, that's what I love about Buddhism. They're like, okay, so there's something called a beginner's mind. You're much better off with it. Yeah. <laughs> Forever. <laughs> Forever. Yeah. Like that's the entire statement. Yeah. You know? Like you're much better off with it all the time, experiencing the beginner's mind. And, yeah. you know, if you're, if you go into a place and you're like, okay, I'm a beginner, you know, I remember the first time I learned to, um, shoot a gun. I was like raised in Ohio and I was a boy scout. <laughs> so the first time I learned to shoot a gun was we learned all the gun safety stuff. We, we did this whole training and everything, how to load and unload, how to clean, how to be all the safety training. And, you know, we get to the point where I'm about to shoot my first gun ever. And we're, it's all safe. We're all standing behind the line. There's a target. Everyone knows what we're doing. We all have an agreement and it's a religious group. So we're also praying that everyone's going to be very safe. And so it's like <laughs> as safe as it gets. Right. But it's, um, but I had no need or desire to pretend I already knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. They told me exactly how to aim, how to point. They told me exactly how to do everything. And that was a time when I did not, it was so serious. It was like, there are guns here. Someone could get hurt, be extra, extra safe. And yeah. so I had no ego in it. I, yeah. Some people were like trying to be cool or whatever, but none of us really had any ego in it because we were trying to like learn yeah. something we did not know, you know? And so yeah. I always go back to that. It's like going to, if I could have that when I engage in anything that's going on, you know, you might learn something, you know. With well, I think learning. that's the thing that's so interesting because as a child, that that's so present for us, right? You're, you're constantly learning new things and it, and it's such a part of our, our day-to-day -day life and everyone around us is supporting that learning. Great job, you know, keep going, you got this. And then at some point in this like imaginary timeline, we lose that and it becomes really uncomfortable to not know exactly what you're doing. Like you you graduate to being an adult and there's this like overshadowing thing that's like, you must know exactly what it is that you're doing when in reality, we're literally the same as we were then. And, and I, I just wrote about this yesterday, you know, confidence is built when we learn something new. And if like, that's why we, yeah, as adults, we kind of get in this stagnation, this monotonous zone, because we've lost that desire to be uncomfortable, to look a little silly or a little stupid along the way, when in actuality, that's what keeps you growing and keeps you fresh. It's like, it's really adopting like that childlike mindset and like, yeah, let's be beginners all together, you know? And, and like, that seems way more fun. <laughs> mm -hmm. Totally. Kids have so much more fun. Yes. They have so much more fun and they don't know shit and they're they're they don't care. Yeah. They they call it like they see it. They they apologize. They're they care about how they make other people feel and they enjoy the whole fucking thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They can yeah. go from crying to laughing. They're like, "Oh, that really yes. sucks. You did that." <laughs> okay. You know, they, they don't always, not everyone does, you know, but you can see that. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like absolutely. That quality never actually is not there. It's just all the other things get like packed onto it. 
Yeah. Do you have any uh like specific practices, like I, I'll, I'll work with like ayahuasca. I take your, uh, two groups to Costa Rica to to Rhythmia to do plant medicine twice a year. Uh, so that's like one of the ways that I like purge. I'm like clearing. And do you have any like uh, particular shadow work practices that you do for any kind of that are particular? I, I read in Vogue that you do primal scream. Is that right? Yeah, well, you know, I do, I do pyramid breath every single day. And so that practice, you know, speaking of everything we just talked about is really sort of designed for that. It's specifically designed to be fluid, flexible, to change, you know, in, in direct relationship to you. And it involves what I like to call like the Holy Trinity, body, breath, voice. So every day I'm screaming and moving and clearing whatever it is now there will be days where it's more intense dependent on what's in my field you know so but i have that practice has and continues to be the the most profound because i do it every single day so i'm exercising that thing out of my system now if i need to go deeper i'll integrate that and i'll go into more like you know i'm dancing out archetypes and i'll just go deeper on my own for a couple hours and it'll likely lead to pleasure and pleasure practice. But doing that daily is like, you know, I'm, I turn into a little kid every day of being like, (laughs) shaking it out, moving it out, you know, breathing into the body and sort of really like teaming up everything we've spoken about today, like tuning to what I need in the moment, giving myself, you know, the permission to, to be wild and weird, to be uncomfortable, to look silly, to look stupid, to exercise, to purge, to clean out my vessel and my channel. And that I, I really, you know, specifically for Johan and I, it's like one of the foundations of our lives and our relationship, because it's like, you know, (laughs) we're cleaning our teeth every day, but the breath work is cleaning our vessel. So it's like, I really think that that and I like the fact that it's not rigid. It's weird. It's funky. It's playful. You know, you get to be all of yourself in it. I mean, you know, you, you've sat in, sat in Sado with us multiple times and it's a fucking blast. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a total blast and it is, uh, it is weird and playful and free, but also it's very effective. You yeah. know, it's, it's like, there's a, something that something that that you sometimes hear in like the western esoteric systems is magical hygiene yes like a really really good example of like a magical hygiene practice um so i've been to your house for morning pyramid breath sadhana practice and uh i always let's see we we definitely get the energy moving through each of the channels specifically. So some of it I'm like definitely internally guiding, but it's guided. It's definitely mm-hmm. guided. So, so if you're not already going to go there, you go there, you know? Yeah. Um, there's like, there's the buildup of the, of the breath. And then there are like these occasional like releases where you know sometimes it's like a physical movement sometimes it's an emphasis on like the mouth lips tongue voice throat jaw with like gibberish mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and I just like 
just from, you know, I do a lot of energy work. I have energy work training in groups that I lead through, uh, you know, energy work also. So in the plant medicine work and the energy medicine work, um, I can see how my experience with the pyramid breath with you guys, um, with you and Johan was opening up all the energy meridians in the body, yeah. uh, bringing the, the mind and body into, uh, intimacy, like belly to belly, mind and body, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, touching all the different, you know, sort of like opening up all the different sides of the self. Um, And I feel like I'm really, really me. I feel like the parts of me that hide because of a defense mechanism feel safe to come out. Yes. And the parts of me that are, are, are doing that, that performative hiding that those parts of me that, that creep up that are, not really me. Those are like de-emphasized in my own, own experience. And the parts of me that are more authentic are re-emphasized. Yeah. And so I yeah. loved it. I love doing that with you guys. Yeah. The yeah. inside are doing that every day. I know. Well, you just got to come up and practice. Practice. Yeah, I mean, like that. that little, we had that little, those, those couple of months, that little sweet spot was like, fucking amazing (laughs) that was incredible that was so good well uh, this has been amazing anything that you're promoting or anything that you got coming up we We have our pyramid breath teacher training that's coming up and it starts february 18th we'll keep the launch open till about the end of february and that's we're super excited seven weeks it's going to be incredible everything you heard you know a deep dive into um, ourselves and we're absolutely stoked. And then I have retreats coming up and, um, yeah, check out the website. There's lots of things. There's instant courses and we're both Johan and I are making the journey into doing more, uh, smaller group, deep intimacy work. That's really our desire now is to, is to teach the tools that have, um, made our lives so rich in a more intimate um, setting, which is new for me because usually I'm like bigger groups, but I'm excited for that as you know, I'm letting the tides change me as they, as they do. So um, yeah, like looking forward to whoever's listening to meeting in whatever configuration that is. And, you know, let's keep continue to evolve together and such a pleasure and joy to be here with you always my love. Yeah, you're amazing. Uh, can't wait to see you. And maybe, hey, maybe I'll do the pyramid breathwork teacher training. Yeah! <laughs> Let's do it. I love it. I mean, I could just really use the practice, to be honest. Yeah. And uh, when I got my first yoga teacher training, mm-hmm. I-, I discovered trainings when I was in high school. And I was like, that's what I need to do. I did like a Reiki training. I did a hypnotherapy training, did a meditation teacher training, did a yoga teacher training. And it was like, that was how I actually made any big change in my life was like really trusting someone entering into community and like completing like an initiation and going. Absolutely. So I I mean, it's, I think it's like when I did my first yoga teacher training, 
I think I love what you said because it's so crucial when part of you knows that you want to make a change, but you can't quite get there. A training provides you with the accountability that you want, but you can't necessarily give to yourself yet. You know, like that was such a huge transition. I was 23 when I did it and I was like really transitioning from like my partying days into that. And it was like, I just had an, and like a built in excuse and then a, a built in community that would support me in that. And then the accountability of like, okay, I want to complete this. So I am going to practice every day. And that just like, it works itself. Um, that's the reason why we're doing it is because the community aspect is so important. Like we need the like-minded people who are going through a same journey as you, and then you feel not alone and then everything is possible. And what's better than that? Amen. What's better than that? You know, you know, um, you do a really good job of holding that community space. And um, I know that this is going to be a really good thing for a lot of people. Um, we're in such an interesting time in the world where people yes. are learning this quickly, these techniques online and being able to become facilitators with these, with this level of, you know, some kind of offering to people. And, yeah, and it's so huge. Mental health is so huge doing, doing these things that are going to release anxiety and depression and help us just show up better for our families. Like, yeah, this is, this is so so important. And I've had, I, I do lead breathwork, different techniques, not the pyramid breathwork. So, so different techniques, <laughs> but the, uh, the meditation and breathwork and energy healing, all the stuff that I've, that I do, it's all about trying to hold a space for someone to get through a hard time to yeah. find that breakthrough. And and those really, really hard times are what change the game for people. Yeah. Those, those times when they've lost a loved one, like our friends, you yeah. know, recently lost a mother, uh, when they lose a job, when they end a relationship, yeah. these are yeah. huge transitions in our little tiny short human lives mm -hmm. and, and becoming a breathwork instructor or doing other teacher trainings like this one. Um, this one's available now. Uh, doing those kinds of things is putting yourself in a situation to actually walk with people through those hard times yeah. and letting it be something that like helps catapult them to a better situation in their lives. <laughs> Leveraging the transition for something good and something better. So yeah. yeah. And I, and I, I've definitely experienced this technique and um, it totally works. It's funny. Like the simplest things yeah, done just right are the things that make the biggest difference, you know? <laughs> and it's like, you have to learn to do them. You have to get into the habit of doing them just right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then you have to continue living a normal, your normal life, slowly mm -hmm. integrating, you know, into it, you know? So, um, yes. So it's simple. It's a simple technique. It's not anything that's like um, super weird, but maybe I'm the wrong one to say anything. Maybe it is. <laughs> I don't know. I might be the bad judge, a bad judge of that. Um, but it's something totally, I think, I think if anyone's listening and they're into it, I, I definitely think it's legit and recommend yeah. it. And 
Um, I have seen so many people, mm -hmm. including myself, just have like such a great experience from it. And it's so fun. Yeah. And it's like, you get a real release from it. It's like, such yes, good, it's such good. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Amen. A fucking man. <laughs> a fucking man. Okay. Well, more to come. I'd love to see you again. Here. Yes. I would guys. love that more and more. Thank you so much, my love. Such a pleasure. I love you. Yeah. I love you too. Thank you. Hey, it's Ben Decker, and I just have to thank you again for listening to the Modern Spirituality Podcast. For information on anything mentioned here, you can check out the show notes below. You can also get in touch with me via twitter.com slash bendecker, instagram.com slash Benjamin W. Decker, or email me at bendecker at modernspiritualitypodcast.com. It really does mean so much to me that you're here with me on the modern spirituality journey. I'm genuinely super excited about what I've got planned for these next few episodes. So really make sure to subscribe to the Modern Spirituality Podcast so you can get in on what I've got coming up. And if this is resonating for you, if anything here helped or inspired or entertained you at all, please, please do rate this podcast and leave me a review. It means so much more than you might realize. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you again.